I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Feel Good Friday, our weekly segment where we dive into the weird and wild news in the world of health. This week, corpomancy and the physics of poop. Men are dying really quick. Evil twin brain tumors? Oh, no. Oh, man. Dude, men are dying really quick. That's the clip. That's the meme. Are you talking about something that um, it, that any of our listeners will know what you're talking about? Well, you could have used you could have used the clip I've been fucking hammering on about all morning. It's copyrighted. Begging Brian Can't. to watch begging. could have been used. It's begging in this to illustrate why <laughs> men don't live as long as women. Well, we're gonna get to uh, some of the reasons, the actual reasons why. Um, but uh, that's middle. That's the middle of the episode. What's corpomancy? Well, that's a, that's a good question, Brian. Are it's, you guys familiar with the with? Uh, are you guys familiar with necromancy? I was gonna say it's corporate necrophilia. No, no necrophilia no. and necromancy are two different things, brother. The, but the, but uh, they're both dead. Do you mean the dark arts? Yeah, it's the dark arts. Necromancy is the uh, is the practice of the magical practice of of ra- raising the dead. Or uh, turning the dead into your minions to do your evil biddings. Or sex. That's, now, that's necromancy. I saw okay. you play Diablo 4, and I, I saw you necromance a lot. Yes. Yes. Now, do you think you've ever seen me cor- uh, cor- uh, corporomance? Corporomancy. I don't think so. I would have to like it. Actually, it's, I think it's copromancy. It's okay. Copromancy or copromancy? Okay. If you're saying corporomancy, I would have just guessed it was C-O-P-R, raising dead C-O-P-R. bodies, C-O-P-R. which sounds like neck romancy. Let's say copromancy. Copromancy. Yeah. Do you think no, you've ever caught it? me copromancying? <laughs> I feel, just the way it sounds. I hope not. Yeah. You. So you can't. I don't think you can do copromancy in Diablo Four. <laughs> Is pretty, it legal? Oh, it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. Is it legal in the human realm? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Coppermancer is. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, now that you actually say that, I, I wonder if necromancy was a real thing, it probably would be illegal. It would probably Def- be like illegal definitely. activity. I mean, it yeah. is, it is illegal. It is illegal. There's a, buddy, there's a, a difference between fucking a dead body and raising a <laughs> no, dead body no, saying, to no, do your evil bidding. No, I'm, saying, I'm saying to exhume a corpse is not, uh, is not, uh, it's a no-no. Yeah, but if so, yes. But necromancy, you're not exhuming the corpse. No, I know, but you it's are the letting the can... corpse exhume itself. <laughs> I know, but it's the closest we can get in reality. Yes, I will take that. So, uh, copromancy is um, so the ancient Chinese practiced copromancy, and it is the diagnosis of health based on the shape, size, and texture of poopy. And That's so um, shape, <laughs> size, and texture. See, yeah. no, uh, no. I just want to say the Egyptians yeah. did copromancy. The uh, the Greeks, nearly every single ancient culture took part in copromancy. Um, and even today, your doctor may still 
do Coppermancy by asking, you know, when you last had a bowel movement, how to describe that bowel movement, describing it, in, you know, very. I do very, Coppermancy. Like I do Coppermancy to we, myself. I think we all to- do it totally. every day. Yeah. yeah, every single day. I I I make little I make little assumptions about how I feel or how my body is working based on my uh, doo doo on a daily basis. So but, yeah, so so it's safe to say that we are all um, Coppermancers. And if you're not doing that, then. Uh, you should. You should be. I compromise my dog. Absolutely. Do you, Jared? Do you compromise your dog? Um, <laughs> you study his doo doo. Oh. It canceled. Um, so this article is written by uh, by Pat- Patricia Wang, who's a PhD student in mechanical engineering. Specifically, uh, I believe her her specialty is in fluid dynamics. Um, and she's from the Georgia Institute of Technology. More like firm dynamics, am I hey, right? Hey, oh, <laughs> well, not if you're talking <laughs> nice. to me, right? So, um, uh, this is what she this is what she wrote. This is this is actually kind of interesting. So, so, so here's what stemmed this. Um, I, <laughs> fuck, guys, you know, you know the meme of like the like the the girlfriend who's like, what like what's on your mind? What are you thinking about to her boyfriend in bed? Yeah. And like you know with the like, Roman Empire with the with the inti- yeah right <laughs> yeah that. <laughs> It's like she thinks that he's thinking about other women, but he's actually sitting there thinking about like, like, how does SpongeBob like, how does Spo- does SpongeBob have legs? You know, like that kind of thing. So the other night, I was, the other night I was laying in bed with uh, with Kira, and um, and I was in that moment of having a thought where I was like, "Fuck, it'd be really funny if she asked me what I was thinking right now," because I was literally thinking to myself, "What are the mechanics of pooping?" Like, like I know that when I have to poop. Uh, I go to the bathroom, I sit down, and I know that there's like a process that happens for the poop to come out of me. But like mechanically, what the f- what's actually going on to Well, you have a contraction in your in your bowel. Right. Sh- sure. But like I wanted to know, like, I want to know the musculature that's 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 working to like push it out. Like I wanna I wanted to know like like the I think the colon broken is the down into detail what's going on. Yeah. I think I, I don't I, I also would love to know that. I I think there's also there's I don't also, think it's an external muscle outside of the colon that's doing that. Well I bet you that there there might be. There might be more. I right? know what it is. Well it's it, the same way a snake slithers on the ground, you know, it's like like it, it like yeah. sort of like extends slightly and then yeah then I mean, like probably so you're talking about you're talking about some so you're talking about a necromancer who has done necromancy on a piece of poop so he has risen the the he's risen the the un, un, an and undead the, thing it's the poop navigating yeah. itself through the colon be more confused that's yeah I, good yeah um you should be and our <laughs> listeners in the same boat in the same in the boat. same boat <clears throat> um so so the other thing that I was wondering was like. How does your body know that? Like, how does your body know the difference between a fart and a poop? Uh, a, probably a, a, a sensation of how the material, well, one's a gas and one's a solid, obviously. So the material feels different. It's sending a different signal to, right. to, the, to the muscle tissue. So what about the times where, you, where that, that is mistaken? Well, I think that's because, that's, that because oftentimes if you are confused about what it is, it's often because it's not a solid 
it's more it's closer to a liquid which is closer to Guys, a gas every everything can be explained with a lazy river analogy here's okay? my here it's like it's like the river has Dude, tubes you need a in new it, you okay? need you need to get a new analogy yeah, it's got to be new there's yeah. a river flowing and it's about to the, you the need river to is about shut to shut up flow out of the mouth of the river the water's going to flow here, you and sometimes jackass. it has tubes in it and sometimes it doesn't <laughs> and your brain can tell by the feeling of the water if there's a tube on it or not, yeah. and that's how it knows if it's a poop or a fart. So here's the thing: is really that tried. is that um, it was pretty good. I think that what I was looking for was the actual answer. It's funny to me, like how how you guys get sit to try to answer this, like as though you know. When well, no, I think I there's, I'm just I, I think there's a lot more to it. But here's the thing: I uh, no, it's definitely what we. That <laughs> I didn't find that. Um, what I found was something completely different. But I will find that at some point. I, I want to get to the bottom of it because I'm curious. But this was an interesting little article that I found in in attempts to try to figure that out. So we're not going to get the answer to why our body is confused about a poop and a fart. Not yet. Okay. We're actually going to go more so into the physics of pooping. And uh, this was studied from a, a, uh, like a colorectal f- specialist and a PhD student who is into fluid dynamics. LOL. So she said uh, she was talking about parenthood and she was like, when parenthood hits, it hits hard. Uh, one, of us is work, uh, one of us is a working dad who's, who survived by learning a new set of skills, one of which was fecal analysis. Now, I'm sure you've been analyzing quite a bit of poop when it quite comes from Zaya. Quite a bit. Question, how much variance is there oh, in, the, in the wide? Yeah. Do you worry like if there's different types? Like if you see when you see a new type of poo that you haven't seen in either a while or or ever, are you like, ooh? Like do you gotta Google it? It's not a it's do you not, deduce where it's it came not from. The first time that it happens, it's if it persists. Do you deduce work? I do deduce. I do deduce. <laughs> so unlike the ancients, um uh we didn't believe that we could predict the future from children's stool, which was a thing back in the day. Um, but we did think it was worth trying to understand where all these shapes come from. The shapes being the different in sh- the difference in shapes or, you know, texture of stool in, in children. Having a laboratory to answer such questions about the everyday world is one of the distinct pleasures of being a scientist. As fluid dynamicists, we joined forces with colorectal surgeon Daniel Chu and two stalwart undergrads. More like Daniel Poo. hey who right. uh, who right. filmed... So the undergrads uh, filmed defecation and hand-picked feces from 34 mammalian species at the Atlanta Zoo in order to men- measure their density and viscosity. Guys, more like the Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> wow, just, just bury in the episode, eh, Bri? <clears throat> um, so, first of all, can you imagine uh, that being your job, where you, where you are like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an undergrad student, and uh, my research is... Uh, I just I just film shit coming out of animals at the zoo. That's my. <laughs> and then I go and then I go and I sift through it with my hands. Um, one of the great actually here's a great little they, they had a they have one of the videos of them at the zoo. They love this. Mommy. <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes of all time. <laughs> I mean it's 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 miraculous footage. For uh, those of you who are just listening, we're watching uh, one of the zoologists um, uh, coming out of a rhino's butthole. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. That's not what we were could watching. Could possibly be one of the best movies. Of that, that is, uh, yeah, it's random that you just brought that up there, but yes, totally. Yeah. So here's where we get into the interesting stuff about this poop. 
And this is, is actually quite interesting. So we learned that most elephants and other herbivores create floaters, while most tigers and other car- carnivores create sinkers, which I'm guessing is like poop that floats and poop that sinks. Uh, inadvertently, we also ranked feces from the uh, most to least smelly, starting with tiger and rhino and going all the way to panda. The zoo's variety of animals provided us with a range of fecal sizes and shapes that served as independent pieces of evidence to validate our mathematical model of the duration of defecation. <laughs> Wait a minute. They ranked them on, on, on most smelly to least smelly? Like oh, is, these fucking is, undergrads. Are, is that subjective is, or is it, or objectively, is there stinkier than, um, like, are I, they measuring like a certain amount of like ammonia in the air or something? I think stink, I think like when it comes to, when it comes to pungence of stink, when it comes to like something like poop or like, at, like a truly bad, like a universal bad smell, I think it's mostly objective unless you are an outlier, which that outlier would be like someone with a, like a really intense fetish. Right. Or a and I don't think smell. Or, a, or, 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 yeah, or, or like sensitivities yeah. to smell. Yeah, but I think like I think like in in general, it's like now, Mike, my my um, I could be wrong about that. I don't my know. assumption or my guess is that there's a correlation to texture and smell. Now, this is something that I notice quite often with Zaya, and I think you probably notice with yourself too, at least subconsciously, if not consciously, that I definitely do that hardness. Hardness is typically less smelly. Yeah. The more soft your stool gets, the more smell that it, the the more pungent of a smell it emits. Now that is fascinating, right? Like, it, a, like it, a very t- it seems like a, it's a very tight correlation, at least anecdotally. But that me. makes sense to me because I feel like when your poop is really firm and hard, then less particles are going to float off into the air, and if it's really wet and messy and smelly, and it's like sort of. Yeah, I don't know if it has to do with the amount of particles. Here's an interesting piece about what you just said there. So if we, if we follow what they said here, inadvertently, we also rank feces from the most to least smelly. Starting with tiger and rhino, which I'm guessing is going to be on the most smelly. Uh, and going all the herbivores. way to panda, panda being the least smelly. Now, it yeah, said that, makes that sense the to me. herbivore... No, it doesn't. It, it, it's kind of it's inverse to what Taylor was just assuming. Because the herbivore, the panda, has the least smelly poop. But they're also creating the floaters. So the the looser of the stool would be my guess. Uh, Less uh, no, dense. No, I think I think the floater would be not necessarily not necessarily softer or harder, but would just be less dense because it would yeah. be, it would be a more hollow yeah. structure that's floating and a more Shh, dense structure. Less particles. Sure. I, but I also, suppose. but also, it makes sense to me that tigers look angry mm. and pandas are cute. Yes, and so they. They should, in the way that the world works, the cuter animal should have the less stinky poop. That yeah, and k- yeah sure. Kira's sense. a lot cuter than me, and her poop definitely stinks a lot less than mine. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, we also place the... F- so, <laughs> man, man, this is a job. We also <laughs> place the feces in a device called a rheometer, uh, a precision blender that can measure the properties of liquid-like and solid-like materials, yeah. such as chocolate and shampoo. <laughs> And obviously, rhino poop. Uh, Our lab shares two rhino rio meters with Georgia Tech physicist Alberto Fernandez Nieves. We have since categorized the rio meters as the clean rio meter and the David Hugh rio meter, 
which has seen its fair share of frog saliva, mucus, and feces. So here's something interesting that they learned through doing all this. Bigger animals have longer feces. Not much of a surprise there. Uh, and bigger animals also defecate at a higher speed than smaller <laughs> animals. For instance, an elephant defecates at a speed of six centimeters per second, nearly six times as fast as a dog poop. And for co context, humans defecate between, uh, uh, it's about two centimeters per second. Depending on like if you if you ate this is like insane. if you ate like <laughs> if you had like a night out a dirty night out then like you're a dirty night a out you know one of those Dude, dirty nights hey, out you know what, Brian I want you to tell me what's entailed in a dirty night out fucking <laughs> like dirty night out for Brian is like is like leaving is like leaving fucking stand like stand up on blender making fucking donuts and then and then going to, going to going to Willie's poutine that's a dirty at, night at midnight out. Yeah. by himself yeah. that's a dirty night out you know what though like here's a dirty night out I I drank a bunch of beer the other night when we were at a uh, when we were at uh, doing this talk at Dave's, um, and uh, and there I ate tacos while I was there. I ate pizza before I left, and then Maddie brought me home a poutine that night. And so that was, a, and like the speed, <laughs> the speed at which uh, I defecated the next day was much faster than the bigger animal. Wow! Yeah, when you poop in your dreams. You poop for real. That was you waking up that night. Yeah. Uh, so to, uh, together, this, oh, this this meant that defecation during a uh, defecation duration is constant across many animal species. Around twelve seconds, plus or minus seven seconds, which is quite a twelve bit. seconds. <laughs> um, even though the volume varies greatly, assuming a bell curve distribution, sixty six percent of animals take between five and nineteen seconds to defecate. It's a surprisingly small range given that elephant feces has a volume of 20 liters, nearly a thousand times more than a dog's at 10 milliliters. My yeah, volume, but it's also relative to the my volume when I size. poop is uh, very loud. So how can animals, <laughs> how, can, how, how can big animals defecate at such a high speed? Well, the answer we found was in the properties of an ultra thin layer of mucus lining the walls of the large intestine. So this, this is, I mean, as silly as this is, it is fascinating. The mucus layer is as thin as human hair, so thin that we could measure it only by weighing feces as the mu mucus evaporated. Despite being thin, the mucus is very slippery, more than 100 times less viscous than feces. During defecation, feces moves like a solid plug. Therefore, <laughs> in ideal conditions, the combined length and diameter of feces is simply determined by the shape of one's rectum and, and large intestine. One of the big findings of our study of this very serious study was that feces extended halfway up the length of the colon from the rectum. It feels long. I, I know that feels long. I yeah. mean, I mean, I don't have longies like that that often. Well, but you're not an elephant off. as well. Like, you know, they're, they're all tired. They're, they are talking about animals here, but, but they are saying that this is a constant. We so are like, an animal. Yeah. Yeah. They're saying that this is a constant across, you know, most of the animals that they're looking at. So you know, it's it is crazy when you think about how long our colons are. They're so like, long. They, I, I, I've said you can this stretch before. It, you can stretch it around the earth six times. Yeah. yeah. Six and a half. And, um, and it, it is, it's like, if you ever have the chance, if people listening to this ever have the chance to go see the body worlds exhibit yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's um, at a museum, it is near very you. cool. Um, the thing that struck, struck me look like going there a couple times was how long the colon is. How long everything in your body is. Yeah. Yeah. Six and a half times around the planet. 
Um, so here's the unified theory of pooping. And there is something serious at the end of this that where, where this work actually has been put to, put to stuff that's useful for us. Putting the length of feces together with the properties of mucus, we now have a cohesive physics story for how defecation happens. Bigger animals have longer feces, but also thicker mucus, enabling them to achieve high speeds with the same pressure. Without this mucus layer, defecation might not be possible at all. Whoa. Alter, uh, alterations in mucus can contribute to several different ailments, including chronic constipation and even infections by bacteria such as C. diff uh, in the gastrointestinal tract. So like the work that they were doing here, actually, like, they, you know, it, it's funny because I wonder if I wonder if they were just doing this work because they were like kind of twisted. And then when they were done, they were like, well, we got to we got to relate this to something serious or else like. <laughs> Scientific Americans not going to take this fucking article very well. You know, it's very funny. Um, Zaya, <clears throat> Zaya has um, Zaya often is has loose poop. Yeah, and and you 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 really wouldn't even she takes after her uncle, huh? You really wouldn't. She, yeah, she takes after Uncle Jair. <laughs> you wouldn't even really notice. But sometimes she goes. <clears throat> sometimes she, uh, you know, if you if you catch her pooping, she'll she'll you just look over and she goes. <clears throat> you just catch her face, kind of. Yeah contort a little bit but the last day <clears throat> last like 24 hours she's had very hard poops oh and and she'll just be standing there and all of a sudden she'll start going <laughs> oh not, <laughs> enough, just, not enough mucus she'll just start crying and then you're like oh you poor thing and and she's just she's just going uh, uh, uh trying she's oh, just crying no. or she's trying to push out a, a so drink. what do you so uh. you as like the as the parent how do you what are you supposed to do to alleviate that Squeeze I them. just console you're just like, her. You just, you just take her. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> I thought, no, no. I think you're like you take you take no, her, no, no, you take no, her no. mouth or her nope. nose, put it in her mouth, nope. and you and and you just blow nope. into her. No. Nope. Yeah. Oh, you know, into just, her mouth. Yeah, into yeah. her mouth. Yeah, while you're squeezing to blow it out to blow it out the blow asshole out the from ass, the back. Yeah. yeah, you don't. Uh, I haven't tried that. You can also now hold that you mention it, shake her. Not not shake. Do you, no, dude, actually, you never you shake a baby. You, no, no. It's a it's a can you rapid, shake a toddler? No. no, it's a it's a rapid downward movement, but then like an abrupt stop. The trick so actually it just, is it, the trick is the same one that you use for ketchup. Press the cervical spine. It, it's yeah. those old ketchup bottles. It's you, you don't do that. You you actually you have to you have to kind of do that momentum down, but also you also kind of have to hit it on the side. So it's sure. it's yeah. kind of like um it's kind of like the way you would give her um. Uh, the Heimlich maneuver, mm-hmm. but just reverse yeah. her. The so one you, la- you turn around, so her bum's facing away from you, and you just smack her. The one, the one other way is yeah, just like hold her under your arm and take her from the top of the head and just give her a good, <laughs> pat, strong pat on the top of the head because that will that'll just drive the momentum straight through her this entire is all body. Very good, um, very good parenting advice. Um, yeah. So beyond simply following their scientific curiosity, these measurements of feces have also had some practical applications. Um, they said, our defecation data helped us design an adult diaper for astronauts. Okay. Astronauts want to stay okay. in suits, spacesuits for seven days, but are limited to their diapers. Taking advantage of this viscosity of feces, we designed a diaper that segregates the feces away from direct contact with the skin. And it was the semifinalist in the NASA Space Poop Challenge uh, earlier that year. <laughs> Wait, how does that work? Wait, hold on. I don't know. It's it's probably like some sort of Lululemon wicking technology. Oh, wait, hold on. Why are astronauts just not using the bathroom? The Did same you know reason why you complain about having to go pee in the middle of the day because it just it fucks up your workflow. Yeah. Because they're, got, they're on such a tight schedule. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not using it for seven. They're not, they're not seven days, though. Yeah. Well, it depends. No, no, no. I mean, it depends on the mission. Like, that. this was uh, when they were going up in the... Um, uh, the, sh- the shuttle, they would only be up there for 
Because no, you no, would I think, think yeah. you would think that pooping well, yeah, only takes good. like pooping might take you like like five, maybe ten minutes if you're me. But the thing that you don't think about is how like, much that like, adds up over time. So triple that, right? This guy's a fucking walking hemorrhoid. So think about how long uh, Chris Hadfield was on the International Space Station. He was up there for a minute, right? And so what, and ch- so change his diaper eight times. Well, yeah. I mean, if he had to change it, if he had to change it sixty-eight times. And it took 10 minutes every time he had to do that. And that's a lot of lost productivity. Guys, I don't think you heard me. Um, they were the semifinalists. They didn't win. <laughs> okay. The fuck, the people that won were like, oh, we just made a vacuum that literally just sucks the shit away from everything. <laughs> yeah. You can probably also just... Makes way more sense. Maybe they just remove the mucus out so that that plug literally becomes a plug and you just don't even... Okay. Man, we talked about that for so long. I was hoping we could do it for 30 straight minutes, but we're only at 25 <laughs> minutes and 10 seconds. But anyway, Holy we have shit. to move on. Holy shit, it's a bit um, uh, So, yeah, U.S. men. Did someone just tip us? Uh, <laughs> what was that sound? <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I left up. I left my, my free cams open here. Um, <laughs> favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. U.S. men die. This is uh, breaking news. U.S. men die nearly six years before women as life expectancy gap widens. I saw this. So um, we've known for more than a century that women outlive men. Um, and we also know that women are just better in general than us. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but but new research. We just uh, get tipped again. <laughs> Oopsie! Uh, I, lo- I love my F's women. Actually, <laughs> actually, here over here supporting women. Uh, a couple of my favorite women. Let me close that out there. All right. <laughs> um. God damn it! All right. So, okay. So women, women. Ah, shit. Uh, women outlive men. So that's that's no no new news, uh, but new research by Harvard T H Chan School of Public Health and UC San Francisco uh, shows that at least in the United States, we're talking about the U S here, the gap between uh, the gap has been widening for more than a decade. The trend is being driven by what do you think the tre- trend's being driven by? Um, and um, and here there there are, there are multiple factors, but the two kind of big what there's two big ones. What do you think they could um, be? Uh, male suicide. That's one of them, but it's not one of the bigger ones. But yes, that that would be up there. Uh, the um, the fact that beach bodies has taken off uh, so <laughs> much that and and you know their their largest demo is women, and so they're just promoting really healthy lifestyles and these amazing shakes that increase uh, longevity. And Brian knows that at work. And if you are interested um, in <laughs> hey, grabbing man, a coffee, uh, with Brian, I, w- I will say this: uh, my my sister was doing beach body for a while, and uh, those shakes are pretty good. 
Man, the protein powder was. I was like, the shit's the shit slaps. Um, um, how many people do you have underneath you? Oh, fuck. Probably like um none. But 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 I am setting up a a a get together at my house, and we're gonna we're also gonna be selling Tupperware. So, um, so in a research paper to be published online November thirteenth in JAMA. Uh, the authors found the difference between how long American men and women live increased to 5.8 years in 2021, the largest it's been since 1996. And this is an increase from 4.8 years in 2010. So over the span of 11 years, it increased almost uh, almost uh, increased by by one full percent. Um, but those two big ones, the trend is being driven by COVID-19 and the opioid epidemic. Yeah. Now, okay. COVID, but what was the deal with COVID? But the not, opioid epidemic is less surprising. But. but not so much because of the virus, the COVID virus, more so due to the pandemic in general and what it has done to society, uh, which we'll get into it. So the pandemic, which took a di- disproportionate toll on men, seems a little sexist. <laughs> um, was the biggest contributor to the widening gap in uh, from 2019 to 2021, followed by unintentional injuries and poisonings, mostly drug overdoses, accidents, and suicide. So that was the that's the sort of uh, chronological list there, or, or rather the hierarchical list of what what was what was um, taking place. Uh, there's been a lot of research into the decline of life expectancy in recent years, but no one has systematically analyzed why the gap between men and women has been widening since 2010, said first author Brandon Yan, a US, UCSF internal medicine resident physician and research collaborator at Harvard Chan School. Life expectancy in the U.S. dropped last year, or rather in 2021, which we covered, uh, to 76.1 years, falling from 78.8 years in 2019. The shortening lifespan of Americans has been attributed to, uh, in part to so-called deaths of despair, This term refers to the increase in deaths from such causes as suicide, drug use disorders, and alcoholic liver disease, which are often connected with economic hardship, depression, and stress. So these things are kind of tied to the the overall results of the pandemic. It's not necessarily people getting COVID and dying. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that COVID has sort of affected the culture, affected the, the country, and so we're seeing more things like people drinking more or resorting to drugs more or, you know, or it, just, you know, mental health declining. It made men a lot more sad and they didn't have ways to to uh, talk about that's and right. have outlets for their sadness. I shouldn't say it that's made right. them more sad. It made them sad in ways that they weren't able to. You know, this is manage. really this is really interesting. Not to not to go too off track. I think this is pretty this is pretty correlated with what we're talking about is I started um I started uh, Gabor Mate's <clears throat> book um, last night, Myth of Normal. Yeah. And shout out Gabor Mate. We're going to be doing a live show in Vancouver on December 5th. Uh, it's sold out. If you didn't get tickets, you suck. Uh, and the there was something in just in just the first couple of pages where he's kind of like laying out the thesis for the book, um, talking about like, it's not this thing or that thing. Or that thing, like it's not this these individual things or even a collection of things. It's like the full fabric yes. of society. Yeah. Um, and he drew a couple of like um close connections to like what that means and like what are some of like the key features of a of like a sort of um um 
what's the word? What's like a dysfunctional (laughs) society, basically. Mm. And what stood out to me was it was like the way in which we are able to communicate with the people that are like closest to us in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I was struck by, I was like, wow. You know, like I think, I think almost all of my friends, except for you guys and the, and the, and, and, and the reason more so is because like so like there's so many of our conversations are work conversations. Um, whereas with like everybody else in our tight friend group, it's not work conversations, obviously, but like everybody I talk to on the phone, we say, I love you when we, when we get off the phone, like that's a very, it's very common. It's very common for us to talk about hard shit that we're going through Mm -hmm. to talk about like shit that we're struggling with to talk about shit that we're excelling at and like really happy about. And I was like really struck by, it seems normal to me, but I know that that is like a, that's actually quite a rare feature of a group of friends. And I was like, man, just, I just, I just felt like a lot of like gratitude and, and, and luck, I guess, for being within for having a like a, a such a beta friend group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and anyway, it just it just it just really it just really struck me. Um yeah. like very inten- yeah, very intensely that, that like some of like the key features that really make society dysfunctional is like for some reason and I, I have no idea why it is like there's we have features of our immediate friend group that that mm-hmm. at least have the power to overcome some of those issues or help us overcome. Yeah. Some I was, on, well, I mean, the, like, I was like, on the phone with a, 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 a new guy friend recently. And at, at the end of the call, you can, it's okay. Said, you can say uh, new boyfriend said, said, uh, said, uh, okay, see you later. I love you. And, uh, and he didn't say it back. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that make you feel? <laughs> well, it made me feel like Brian texted I was him like, immediately and was like, you know, I don't really don't appreciate it when I say I love you and you don't say it back. I just, I'm just asking once in a while, just once in a while, if you just say I love you. <laughs> but, but I had the realization that like, it's so second nature for me to say that to my it? guy. Who was it? Uh, you don't have to say their name. Well, oh, here, uh, uh, say their name in three, two, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, well, but you know what? The second time he said it back. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's that's very sweet. That's cute. That was really nice. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes me think about like, you know, like, like me telling you guys about, about my like video game addiction and, and like feeling all fucked up. You know, if we didn't have that kind of friend group that you were just referring to, Maybe I wouldn't have felt the maybe I I probably would have still felt the urge to tell you guys that, but maybe I wouldn't have felt the comfort in being able to disclose that. Totally, you know. And so and so, what does that do, right? What like how does that? What kind of trickle down effect does that have over over the span of a few years? If I can't say it to you guys, can I say it to my partner? Can I say it to my like who? Like who? Do, who do I feel comfortable in in talking about that shit with? Yeah, likely no one. Exactly right. So again, uh, they they prior to the COVID pandemic, the largest contributors to this gap in in um, in in life expectancy was were in unintentional injuries, diabetes, suicide, homicide, and heart disease. But during the pandemic, men were more likely to die of the virus. Um, that was likely due to a number of reasons, including differences in health behaviors as well as social factors such as the risk of exposure at work, reluctance to seek medical care, incarceration and housing instability, chronic metabol- uh, 
metabolic disorders, mental health illness, and gun violence also contributed. And uh, one of the researchers said here said that the results raise questions about whether more specialized care for men, such as in mental health, should be developed to address the growing disparity in life expectancy. Um, it is now, kind of in surprising. A, now in, a, a, uh, in, in a, one might argue, maybe this is what we need to dismantle the patriarchy. That's a good point. You mean just like more men dying in general? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, just, 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 you know, like a bit of like. It's okay, a, we don't, like we don't have to, we don't have to, like we don't clean, have to, we don't have to close this gap up. Let's, let's widen the gap a little more. Like a clean yeah. house. Sort, 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 Think yeah. about it. Think about if, if, if all the men in the world started dying off at like 30, well, we wouldn't see it. We, we wouldn't get as many people complaining about our Mitch McConnell's and our, our <laughs> sleepy Joe's, you know? <laughs> well, it is true because you do have to be at least 70 to be a politician. Yeah. So. Yeah, Minimum I thought, you know, I'm a little bit surprised about these findings because I saw a lot of men building a strong community during the pandemic. Oh, um, yeah. Particularly like a lot of those who drive trucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, People were responding yeah. to rallying cries yeah. around the flag of our nation. Yeah. Like it was. Yeah, there was a lot of great community that was built. Yeah. Be careful. This podcast is on CBC and we know how much those truckers don't appreciate the old CBC. <laughs> That's OK. That's good. That we, <laughs> we, don't know, we, we don't want to create any. uh any more uh, separate uh, or any more uh, disparity and, and uh, distance? Mm-hmm. We want to. We we don't want don't want to widen that gap that that uh, political gap any more mm-hmm. than it's widened. Mm-hmm. But the but the uh, the death gap. Let's widen that white right the fuck up. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, let's get into this week's edition of. I'm really excited for what the health this week. Uh, our uh, our good friend uh, Annika Harmonica. Uh, who is uh, our, our who's replaced who who has just replaced Lauren, um, and has become uh, has become our our new production assistant. Um, she sent this to me, and uh, it blew my fucking mind. I believe you guys probably might have seen this, but uh, this is. Do you guys know what this is? If you if you don't know, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we were with Annika when she. Uh, so this is a this is what to you. This is what's called a teratoma, um, and we've covered teratomas on the show before um for people who aren't familiar teratomas are a benign tumor um that grows within the human body in various places and they often are found to grow within them or around them uh teeth hair um there might be some other things i think it's like teeth and hair are the big ones um and this is the image that we're looking at for folks that are just listening and not watching on YouTube which it, is pretty much every single one of you. It looks like a sack of plantains <laughs> attached <laughs> it's a, to someone's head. It does look like just like a bunch of sliced bananas in a, in a little in a little in a little bag. But we're looking at a, a CT image of someone's head from the side profile. Uh so you see the that you see basically like one full hemisphere of this person's brain. Uh we can see, you know, the side of their face, their nose, their mouth. You can see that, you know, it's like a di- dissection of the 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 center of the head from the side. And attached to this person's head as though they are wearing a a giant uh bow on the on the top of their head. Like a like a bow like bun. A bow bun uh, is the tumor. And you can see in it all the teeth. I mean, it's a lot of teeth. A lot, a lot of molars. Of yeah. Uh, not yep. many incisors. In, are they called incisors? No, nope, but lots of molars. Lots of molars. They they come in lots of different shapes too. Like there's oh like they they sort of they get smaller near the edge and then bigger towards the middle. Yeah. So like a, there was must have been uh, like forty teeth in uh, there. So teratomas are are kind of a mystery in the sense that, um, in the sense that what I've gathered is that we don't actually quite know exactly 
where they stem from or what's going on. But we know but, they're gross. But one, <laughs> they are. And one of the one of the running theories is that um, maybe perhaps not all of them, but some of them are what were what were once the twin of the person who has the teratoma, and they have absorbed their twin in utero. I've got a better theory. I've seen malignant. That my 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 theory Sick is that movie. my theory is that. This is proof that we are in a simulation and these are just the wires being crossed. Brother, you're fucking speaking my language. So here's a story um, of a woman named Yamini Karanam. A woman's brain tumor turns out to be evil twin complete with bone, hair, and teeth. I think we covered this. We didn't. Um, okay. So this is Yamini. Oh, I was thinking of... Uh, I was thinking of the, you are thinking of Malignant. It's oh, a fantastic horror film. <laughs> no, no. I was thinking of the, uh, the Indian guy who, yes. who, had the, who had like the big pregnant be- looking belly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, similar thing, but, but a little bit different. So, so this, is, uh, this is Yamini right here. Beautiful, beautiful woman. More like Yamini because she ate her twin. Uh, whoa. Her. <laughs> I thought yeah, you were going to say yeah. Yamini because she was, uh, cause yeah. you thought she was attractive. And yeah. I was going to say, Don't you say that, are no. canceled. canceled. Um, the PhD student had moved from uh, Hyderabad, India, uh, to Indianapolis to study computer science. But her new life in America was going to get a little funky. Uh, once a brilliant student, she now had trouble understanding simple articles. Friends and colleagues would say things to her only for these sentences to get mixed up in her head. Because that's where Karen M's problem lay, deep in, within her brain. She went on holiday um, and returned to be more exhausted than when she left. And Karen M slept for two weeks straight, missing school. No offense, but that's pretty, uh, that's you know, like you go on holiday and you come back and you're pretty tired afterwards. I need a holiday after holiday. I know. Tay needs, the... needs at least a week. Yeah. Um, uh, but she took two. So, that, you know, it's a little mm. too long. Uh, then came the headache, she said. Slips and misses at work followed. Uh, she wrote this on her blog. Uh, there were doctors first, a couple of them, and then more. Then came the revelation. Doctors spotted what they thought was a cyst on Karen M's pineal gland, the tiny pea-like structure in the center of the brain that French philosopher Rene Descartes uh, called the principal seat of the soul. Quote, they, the fear didn't sink in yet, Karen M wrote. My will was undeterred because it was hardly put to test. My energy levels were sinking and fatigue started crippling my days, months, and weeks slipped through my fingers. There weren't any diagnostic procedures left to run on me. Consultations followed procedures, but nobody said anything useful. It was like white noise passed from the doctor to the patient to the the support system. Now they called it a tumor, and that's all 21st century medicine could do in three months. So she just kept getting sicker. Uh, Pains ran throughout her entire body. She was soon unable to walk. She said, quote, but the men of science found no correlation between my suffering and the images, she wrote. I thought they would take my problems and, uh, and, my, uh, and own them, but they didn't, and, and they didn't. There was frustrations and anger. Most of all, there was self-doubt. When sanity was in question, the best of us, the best of us lost ourselves to the answer. So def- desperate to save her life, her friends put together a GoFundMe campaign. They raised over $32,000. And uh, Karen one, M. Found, one day in the hospital. <laughs> Karen M. found a doctor, um, a doctor named Dr. Uh, Rayer, Dr. Rayer, uh, performed, he performed a radical, what's called keyhole brain surgery, um, at something called the skull base Institute in Los Angeles. Um, so they, with the $32,000, they flew her out there. She got this surgery. And what happened was the doctor made a tiny incision in the back of her head. 
strung an endoscope into her skull and through a natural channel in her brain to the site of the tumor. And that's when the doctor made a startling discovery. Oh, no. Karen M's tumor wasn't just a tumor. It was a teratoma, a clump of bone, hair, and teeth, a Frankenstein's monster within Karen M's own mind. The teratomas have baffled scientists for almost a century. Some have speculated that they are basically the twin that never fully developed and are instead in- absorbed into the survivor's body. In fact, newborns occasionally have large teratomas attached to them like a conjoined twin. Other times, it's not until adulthood that people realize that they have one. In 2009, a British man named Gavin Hyatt gave birth to an underdeveloped identical twin. What do you mean? When a small lump pushed its way out of his abdomen. Hyatt named the tiny creature Little Gav. (laughs) Wait, was it alive? No. No. (laughs) What is alive? (laughs) <laughs> okay. um, uh, so it's not clear that Karen Am's tumor was, was really her twin um, but uh, it was definitely killing her that's, that's for sure um, they ended up taking it out it was not cancerous and sh- they're expecting for her to make a full recovery now I want to show you guys a little, uh, a little clip this isn't Karen Am this isn't the girl but this is someone who also had a, a, a teratoma um, and the way they discovered their teratoma is very unique, and it was, uh, this is nightmarish. Buckle up. Uh, thank you, Reddit. So you can see this woman here. She has a teratoma in the back of her head, and uh, she seems to be able to, yeah, pull it out. Whoa. Now, here's the crazy thing. She's incarcerated here, so she, this is in jail. Whoa. Right? And it gets, it's, I mean, it, it gets real bad. Like, the teratoma takes over and starts acting for this woman uh, and also seems to know Kung Fu. So you can see here she just broke that woman's arm. Teratoma ripped its uh, hand. God damn. Whoa. It's crazy because, like, there was, uh, like, a, like, a Foley yeah. artist did the, uh, the, a really interesting, the sound yeah. design for this, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this, like, actual wow. security <laughs> camera there footage. Go, yeah. And so, yeah, so her teratoma just killed six women. Dude, I completely forgot how insane that movie is. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <clears throat> so You haven't seen that movie, eh, Brian? That was uh, security camera footage from the jail. <laughs> yeah, very interesting documentary. <laughs> CCC, that was CCTV footage. Yeah. Uh, thanks, folks. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Um, <laughs> as it for this week. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, you could do that by coming over to the Discord. We've got lots of fun stuff happening over there. New, uh, new little segment we got going on over there where, uh, where uh, Annika, the harmonica, is asking questions about episodes that have come up recently. Maybe she'll ask a question about this one. Maybe she'll ask, uh, uh, maybe she'll ask um, uh, how does everyone feel about, uh, about the guys talking about poop for 30 minutes right <laughs> off the top of an episode? Do you guys think this will retain new listeners? Yes or no? Uh, that might be a question, question that comes up. And you can go over there and you can answer that, which could help us greatly. So, uh, and if you want to support the podcast further, leave a rating review on Apple Podcast and, uh, and Spotify. Uh, hit the follow button. Um, all that stuff. It's all great. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for supporting the show. We love you. And if you want to be a guest on the show, <clears throat> if you... Have any like particular it might be a tumor? It's <laughs> not a tumor. <laughs> if you have damn it, any, Arnold. Any stories about teratomas, um, or if you want to talk about poop, or if you're a poop expert, I do love talking about. Poop. Um, I mean, God, there's so much interesting stuff around poo poo. Um, 
reach out to us. Let us know. Sickboypodcast.com. Uh, click on the the but the the famed button and fill out the guest form. <laughs> and uh, and if you haven't uh, seen, we've been producing other shows as of late. Uh, you can check out a show that we recently produced called New Wave, which is available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, and Taylor actually hosts it. He did an amazing job, so I highly recommend checking it out. And uh, thanks, as always, to the folks who helped make this show happen. A huge thank you to Jeff Lonis, our manager, Richard Coyne, for the theme music, and everybody else. We love you. That is it for this week. Uh, and a thank you to Annika Harmonica, too. Uh, I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.